Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Shocking evidence of the pollution that pervades the world's oceans has come to light, with the discovery of huge amounts of debris littering the coastline of some remote islands in the Indian Ocean. Clive Cookson, the FT science editor, discusses the scientific evidence and its implications with Leslie Hook, our environment correspondent. So Clive, where exactly are the Cocos Islands and what was found there? The Cocos Keeling Islands are pretty remote. They're about 2,000 kilometres northwest of the nearest point of Australia. They're just within the Indian Ocean. What was found there is really horrific amounts of plastic debris across the beaches of these 27 islands, only two of which are inhabited. The researchers estimate, and they say this is a very conservative estimate, that there were 400 million individual pieces of plastic weighing a total of 238 tonnes. So a truly horrific amount of rubbish. And how does one go about measuring that tremendous amount of plastic? I mean, did people, researchers, physically count each plastic straw or how did it work? They did. This team of four Australian researchers, led by Jennifer Lavers from the University of Tasmania, they did it as professional surveyors would, just making sure that they looked and counted the plastic on every beach, and not just on the surface of the beach. They went down 10 centimetres. And one of the shocking findings of this survey is that 90% of the waste that they found was not visible on the surface. As Jennifer told me, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So if you look at what looks like a pristine beach because it's been cleaned up, there might still be horrors under the sand. Tell me a bit more about the items that they found. What was prevalent? It was a horrible cross-section of single-use plastic items. They found, for example, 373,000 plastic toothbrushes. And also they found almost a million shoes. Now, these islands are in the path of something called the Indonesian through-flow current. So they're taking in items from right across the Pacific, which are flowing past the gap between Indonesia and Australia into this part of the Indian Ocean. So they're collecting stuff from right across both shores of the Pacific. And because it's a global ocean, they're collecting stuff probably from the Atlantic too. Now, this report comes at a time when there's been a surge in research into plastic waste in oceans. What's been driving this surge of new research and what does it tell us about human impact on the natural world? I think it's only recently that the techniques have been developed to investigate what may be the most pernicious forms of plastic waste. And those are the microfibers and microparticles of plastic. And research labs around the world are finding new ways of looking for those. I mean, part of the driver is to find out what is happening to these plastics when they get into living organisms. 
Jennifer Lavers, the leader of this project, is also looking at what happens to plastics in seabirds, and she's going to be publishing some stuff on that later this year. But we already know that it's having a bad effect on wildlife. Whether it's having a bad effect on people is not yet clear. I mean, that research is really only just getting going in toxicology labs. And is it possible to clean up all this plastic when we're talking about 400 million pieces of plastic on the Cocos Islands? I mean, is it just going to stay there? We can do superficial cleanups, and as part of this project, after they'd counted, they did remove quite a lot of the debris that was showing on the beaches. But you can't remove everything from under the surface without rather destroying the beach because you'd have to dig it up and sift it if it was a sandy beach. And I don't think you can clean up the stuff in the open oceans, no. I mean, there are some projects to try and do that, to sort of sweep the worst patches, these ocean gyres, these swirling amounts like the great Pacific garbage patch, as it's come to be known. There are projects to scoop the stuff off, but from everything I've read, it'll only make a tiny percentage. It might be worth doing, but it's not going to solve the problem. We can solve the problem only, really, for the future by stopping more stuff going in. And that's something that you know more about in terms of the sort of policy that's being developed to reduce the flow of plastics into the oceans. Well, and there has been some really interesting developments in the last few days on that front too, addressing this global trade in plastic waste, which for years was really getting shipped from developed countries to developing countries for processing, and then some of that would end up in the ocean. So I think the timing of this new research is really interesting on that front. And earlier this month, we saw the UN vote to approve amendments to the Basel Convention, which will have the effect of making the trade in plastic waste much more difficult and will really cut down on the volume of plastics that are getting shipped around the world, particularly from developed to developing countries. What are the targets, roughly, and how can it be enforced, this cutdown? Well, the Basel Convention is a treaty that was designed to address hazardous waste. So think of asbestos and incinerator ash. And this change basically adds certain types of plastics to the list of controlled substances. So mixed plastics, contaminated plastics, things that are very hard to recycle. The technical details I won't go into, but the ultimate impact of these changes will be that the US and EU will not be able to export any of these types of plastics at all. So that is a huge shift. For the other countries, there's over 180 countries that have signed the Basel Convention. They will be able to trade in these types of plastics, but only with the prior consent of the country accepting the import. So that will add a step that will slow down those trades as well. So if wealthy countries can't export their nasty plastics, are they gearing up to recycle them at home? Is Britain, for example, is the US actually doing something to keep its plastics and recycle them properly here? Yes, so we've seen a huge surge in investment in the US, the UK and across the EU into recycling facilities that are closer to home. Historically, China was, of course, the biggest centre where all this recycling took place. And now that the trade patterns have shifted dramatically, we've in fact seen several Chinese recycling companies investing in plants all across the states to take their business there. This is often an energy-intensive and highly polluting industry, 
so it's now going to be a bit closer to the source of where the waste is coming from. And how do you think we're getting on with actually consuming fewer of these single-use plastics, the plastic straws, plastic cups, and all those other things that are causing the pollution? Well, I think that's a really interesting question. In a way, that is the most important question, because none of this really makes that much difference if everyone goes on consuming as much disposable plastic as they have in the past. And that's the part of the equation where we haven't seen perhaps as much movement. While there has been a great public consciousness and sort of uproar over single-use plastics, I haven't seen any research that suggests that single-use plastics have really declined yet. But in our new FT home, Bracken House, there are no plastic cups and straws or anything like that, so we're doing our bit. That's true, we are. That was Clive Cookson, FT Science Editor, talking to Leslie Hook, our Environment Correspondent. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on Twitter Chief Jack Dorsey's fitness regime, the WhatsApp spyware hack, or the US-China trade war, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.